create your sovereignty, create your pure energy, and then bring everyone else up. Always done it, or do I want to do it differently? And it's like a graceful moment starts to open up if you stick to a practice in your Kundalini energy. So if you have an activated, you know, functioning on all cylinders aura, life gets very interesting fast because you'll start attracting people, places, experiences, and things here to serve the emerging of your true identity. Welcome to the Honor Your Aura podcast, a podcast dedicated to awakening and empowering the energy within through authentic conversation, experiential learning, and tips for whole self-care. The way I understand it is um, energy in its purest, I mean, there's different kinds of energy. The purest energy that's available for us is truth, love, and God, the divine. And so when I am using my practice, to channel that into everything I do, it doesn't look like wearing white or wearing a turban or um, all of these outward things. It's actually a very much all day long hooking your mind on the divine while doing very basic things like dishes and, um, or not lying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Down to like not smiling if you don't mean it. Like it's, it's, it's got to be all or nothing, and it's a lot of work to do that. And it's um, over my journey, I've, I've had like, you know, I've always had a, a daily practice probably for about 13 years now, and I've, and I've been practicing yoga and meditation for 19, but I've been disciplined daily practice for 13. And um, that, when I look at that journey, um, the times, especially early on when I was, you know, doing two and a half hours every day, regimented, I probably had less of a presence, as you just described, than I do now. Mm-hmm. And my sadhana, which is a daily practice, is rigorous. It's as rigorous as it's ever been, but it's not as long. It's like less than an hour. And um, my approach to it is very much more of um it's not a battle. It's more like, yay, I get this little bit of the day to do this because I do have children now and, and just life, life looks a lot different than when I started a meditation journey. So um, all of these things like yoga and meditation to uh, polish my pure energy is like, I think, what it takes to get to what you're talking about. It's the habit of self. The habit of self is really what you just described it's an authentic energy. It's a satnam energy. So thank you. <laughs> Welcome. And I, and you know, it's interesting because I think that this is where, where like everything kind of meshes is. And like what I think was one of my main inspirations for this concept of honor your aura was something that comes to me when I teach people um, Reiki and, you know, people will say like, I don't have this amount of time to give myself Reiki and sit with the crystals and do the yoga and do the, med-. and it's like, okay, but what are you doing for the rest of your day, you know? And and really, it doesn't mean that to be a practitioner that you have to, it doesn't look any certain way, right? It doesn't have to be wearing any particular clothing or having the Reiki office or whatever. It's, it, you know, it's like, 
what work are you doing? Is it a being a mom? Is it maybe working an office job? Is it, and how that we can infuse the things that we're doing on a daily basis, dishes, even washing our own body mm-hmm. and infuse ourselves with energy. Totally. And that option is always there. Yeah. So I know that for you, do you feel that Kundalini has really just been your guide as to how you do infuse things like that you do every day in regards to the energy that you're putting into them? Do you think that that's your foundation? No. Um, I think it's a really, what's the word? It's a tool that very nicely fits with someone with my karma and disposition. And so I grew up in the Sikh religion and Kundalini um, has a lot of intersection with that. So a lot of the mantras, all the mantras come from our living guru. So I grew up in a home where literally this book of mantras was housed in a room next to my bedroom. Did I care? No. But mm-hmm. of course it was infusing me the whole time. So when, you know, I grow up, I go through my teens, I'm a crazy party animal, you know, I get sober and I've got like a long story. And then... Um, I started yoga and and then got into kundalini when I was pregnant with my first child, leaving law behind. So at a time when I was a little bit lost, but it was so familiar mm-hmm. because of the mantras that had been echoing in my mind. I've always said why I guru all day long. Like I, I wouldn't eat. I don't think since I was born, I've not said or mentally thought that vibration, oh. which is a foundation of kundalini. And that's not, I mean, all any woman or man who grows up in the sick religion, you would have that. It would be like saying, amen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, so it's familiar to me. And like all the sick gurus, like I, I know them, but it was then through Kundalini that I really started to have um, my own experience. It's like, um, you know, when you go away from something and you find it on your own terms, the whole more beautiful thing than somebody spooning it to you. Okay. So I had to reach for it. And so um, in that way, Kundalini is not my foundation, but I would say Sikhism is. It's, it's a way of relating to the divine that feels so familiar to me that it's like almost like going into a warm blanket, you know? Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I, I love Kundalini as a tool, and I think it's it's powerful, and it will work for anyone, no matter how you grew up. But for me, it's just I have a different connection than probably most get into it. Right. Do you feel like that deepened? Do you think that it was already ingrained within you then the the impact that mantra has then on your inner feeling? You know, that's an interesting question because I. I think anyone who grows up in a South Asian household, they w- they don't need to learn mantra. I mean, you don't need to sit there and learn that sugar is sweet. You know, it's just like you just understand that this is this stuff feeds your soul. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to watch The Simpsons. You know. <laughs> Whereas in the West, this idea of mantra, sacred sound current from the mouth of the guru, like that sounds like such an interesting concept. But if you, if you've grown up around that idea and, um, it's not that it's infused, it's just like, 
it's a different sort of um, cultural mindset. So, um, yeah, I think it is a part of me, but I don't think that makes me super special. <laughs> right. That but makes, yeah, like, in terms of, of like the foundation of like what is it then within you? Because it's like, you know, in terms of like washing the dishes and knowing that these things are impact. I mean, my assumption is that, you know, let's say just, I love the dishes example because showing up to wash the dishes, you know, it's like you're, you're consciously choosing, I'm going to show up and do this with a particular energy or a particular mentality. Right. And for what purpose? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the dishes thing has been profound for me as a mother. Um, I definitely chant while I'm, I'm doing all sorts. If I start to get agitated, I just start chanting, why you why you why you or whatever. And I think that um, that's been a beautiful journey for my energy because, um, like I said, I, I didn't grow up um, wanting to have this kind of energy or lifestyle. You know, I grew up the child of immigrants and I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to go out and conquer because that's what we do or something. But really what I've come to find out, and I'm 42 now, is like, I think about my grandmother a lot. You know, she was married at like 13 or 14 in an arranged marriage. And, you know, she wasn't very literate, but super sweet. She chanted Waiguru all day long as she cooked and cleaned. And honestly, she had the clearest eyes, the sweetest disposition. She was happy in her own skin. And she didn't need anything. And, and I'm starting to realize the freedom that she had when I used to grow up thinking like, oh, she was so oppressed. You know, because my mom was a doctor and like, oh, she, she's liberated. But now I'm like, actually, you know what? Like, my mom can't even cook Indian food. And like, <laughs> yeah. you know, everything in the Aquarian age gets turned upside down, right? So um, it's kind of nice to be able to, um, as I'm doing something that's very yogic act of protecting my energy of saying Waheguru while doing the dishes so I don't get aggravated or bored or whatever it is, I'm actually cleaning up my ancestral line, you know, and I'm projecting forward and ease into the next seven generations. There's, a, there's just so many other things that happen when you are, you know, doing these practices. That's so cool. You're, you're cleaning the back energy and the forward energy, you know. Right. And that's what I, I love about it, too, because we can get so caught up. You know, I think especially I love that we are shifting this focus into self-care. Right. But to then also let it be more than just about us. And that's what I feel, you know, with with any sort of meditative or yogic practice, I think. And that's like in the foundation, I think, of any yoga lineage. Right. Is to be able to also give up that which you are generating right, through your practice to say, I can give up even all of the benefits that I have just generated from showing up, like, I can also give them away. Totally. I, there's like a anecdote in a Kundalini. It's like, create the container, fill the container, overflow the container. This is like the process of spirituality, generating, organizing, delivering. And you're, you're always in one of these states. And um, yeah, if you don't, and in recovery, which I'm also a part of, they say if you you don't give it you can't keep it if you don't give it away, you know. So if you start to create your sovereignty, create your pure energy, and then bring everyone else up, you know, recognize you're raising the vibration with what you're doing, and do it intentionally. Pull pull everybody with you, 
um, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't stop. You have to keep going. <laughs> you don't just get to a plateau and like, okay, we're peaceful now. I can just peacefully, pleasantly do the dishes. No, the container is still overflowing. You got to generate bigger and then fill and then flow. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think of it as like an energetic muscle and it's like, just keep it going. Yeah. I've that with you since I first met you. And, yeah. and oh, how sure. And it, your temple and the incarnations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that so much of that too is like, was it, and, and I think that that is also like such an inspiration for this because it was so much about like acknowledging myself as an energetic being, but at, in no way being able to like own it or be in it. It was like, I was treating it as a, uh, almost like a curse rather than an empowerment. And I didn't really know how to navigate that. And I think, you know, and I think that there can be so many self-care things, even a yoga practice that actually like, until I gave myself the permission to really be embodied, then I could actually that it's like, yeah, it is more of that authentic discovery because I think you can, you can practice all of these things all day long, but until you are in that place to authentically discover and build it for yourself. Like that's really the, I think the meat of it, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. And, um, yeah, I think I really came into sort of a new level as a teacher when I decided I'm done doing trainings, I'm done, you know, whatever I need to learn universe, I, I trust you will let it float to me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm giving it away. I'm in a phase of giving it away. And I'm, I'm not saying forever, but I'm like, right now, that's where I'm at. And then I just recognized I got propelled to another level to give away. Right. And don't you kind of feel like every day is kind of like a training anyways? If you... well, Every breath. I mean, right? you know, if, if you don't inhale to the depth of your belly, you have not taken a deep breath and you are therefore absolutely living on the surface. So how many of those are you taking a day? You know what I mean? Like, that's your training. Guru Gobind Singh, he did one-minute breaths all day long, meaning 20 seconds in, 20 seconds hold, 20 seconds out. And um, that was his breathing pattern for life. <laughs> he slept a half hour a day. So, I mean, that's conscious living. That's that's where it's at. Unless you're there, like, you're, you're training. <laughs> Every breath is a test. That's incredible. So, and I know that then, you know, it, like that being said for, I think everyone kind of has their own way that evolves of how they are kind of working and caring for themselves energetically. And I think in our day and age, we have, you know, our breath obviously so simply and so profoundly, but we also now have so many different methods of, taking care of ourselves energetically or connecting to ourselves energetically. And so I know, you know, from what you've expressed so far, but what it like in terms of, you know, I know that you've been working a lot with the, uh, the plants and essential oils and things like that. Can, if you want to speak to kind of the stuff that you weave into like your everyday that I'm assuming like the, the plants and the, and the oils have to do with their vibratory yeah. effect. So I started working with a particular um, plant essence company um, almost three years ago. 
I had been around, you know, sure, yoga classes where people used essential oils, and I thought, that's nice, you know. But I didn't have this reaction until I worked with um, pure plant essences. And the difference is, you know, most of the plants essential oils are like almond oil with a little bit of a plant essence in there. So it smells good. And a pure plant essence is medicinal grade. That's one ingredient. It's steam distilled usually. It's the plant and that's it. So it's called, they, when you apply it, it's called applying it neat, like, like a cocktail or something. It's so, you know, strong. And to me, it, it pairs so well with kundalini. So kundalini, we talked about this energy is your pure identity. So if you think about what is steam distillation, it's like for rose, let's say. I mean, like a field of roses will make five milliliters of steam distilled rose essence, pure essence. Similarly, a powerful kundalini practice is doing the same thing. It's distilling you. It's distilling you to what? Your pure essence. And it takes so much energy to do that. So when I work with a plant, um, just like the plant exists, and, and the way I look at the plants and the trees, and really the whole earth, think of it as earth school. You know, it's here to give us an experience. And, and the plants and the trees, they're like shamans here to help us along to what? Our pure essence, a realization of a pure essence while living. That's called jivan mukt in, in yoga. And um, so when I work with a plant, it's medicine, it's pure essence is, is coming into contact with me and all of my illusions and all of this dense stuff that's keeping me from being realized and you know it's helping nudge me along and and I also think like you know all of our concept of sickness is a distortion between us and our true essence so the root of the root cause of all suffering is not knowing who you are or why you are here not knowing you are loved um and all of these things, and, and for what? I don't know. It's just the time we're in. <laughs> it's yeah. Kali Yug. It's the nature of the game we're in right now, in Earth School. So um, these plants, they're so lovely. Like, they, they, they pair so well with Kundalini meditations and also to alleviate root of the root cause suffering because they're going to help you have an experience of yourself. Right. And they, and they, I find at least on the receiving end with the, they allow kind of like, you know, with these different practices, allow us ultimately to get in touch with that truth within us that is there that we didn't necessarily have a reference for or context for before. Right. And to actually detect the subtlety of how they're, I don't know if you can detect, obviously you can read on the bottle, like, okay, this is the intended purpose. But then yeah. on the receiving side, can you actually feel energetically the... You know, I don't even really read the bottles. I yeah. mean, I'm a woman. I have intuition. You know, like, I know what it's good for. I just, you know, we, we have little conversations at this point. Yeah. But I mean, one way you can look at it, like pine, I have some pine here. So pine, pineal gland, intuition. So I'm going to put it on my third eye. Um, I'm like the grapefruit I know you use. I mean, that's just joy in a bottle. If you don't know that, like, we should talk. <laughs> like, right, Do you right. not know, like, a light is red when it turns red? I mean, some things we, we've got to just know, or, or we've really lost touch with some, like, 
basic intuition and understanding of nature, right? Which is what this is all about. And, and that also goes to, um, you know, Guru Nanak, he was the first guru, and we, we refer to him a lot in his teachings in Kundalini and his Ekankar. Satnam comes from Guru Nanak. And he talked about, the, he, he was all about the nature of the cosmos and um, the soul identity and understanding, which basically we don't need to understand. We just need to, we get into the rhythm of the cosmos, and that's all we need to do with, you know, chanting Waiguru with our mind and um I think of the plants as like, they're swaying to that rhythm at all times. Like the plants know when it's morning and when it's night, we have to look away from our computer. Right. Or I have to look on the weather app. <laughs> the yeah. plants, they know like the pine cone closes when it's about to rain. Right. But we, we don't anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, so the soul identity, when it's emerged, it knows. And that's like it, the plants and Guru Nanak that, and really all the Sikh gurus, like they had a relationship with nature that served their true identity rising. The plants are here to serve us. We honor them and, and that's a good relationship to have with them. Right. And I think that that too, just I, it like kind of speaks to when you're talking about that intuition and not only what I just find fascinating is like not only being able to feel into what seems so obvious of a, you know, scent of a grapefruit being uplifting. Right. And then maybe more of like, and then obviously the pine and its relation to pineal and then something that's really earthy, obviously connecting to the earth. It seems so clear, but then even too like us navigating the energy within ourselves, right. Do we even know what it means to like, like, what is Sheil uplifted? And what is the energy of Sheil when she's yeah, sad? You don't want to miss out on that adventure. You know, a lot of people, they just want to answer. They want a McDonald's answer. And it's like, that's not going to get to the root of the root cause. The inquiry is the answer. <laughs> right. Creating space for self-inquiry is the whole thing. So... I agree. And, you know, when I also... So at that, with that being said... Talking about, you know, again, back to the washing of the dishes and like if you feel yourself kind of getting agitated and like going into the Wahi Guru, how do you get into a distinct, like how do you distinguish like what is an energy that is to be like acknowledged and felt and what is something that you're just like, this is the time to bring in repetitive mantra to transform? You know, I think it's like you, your body is also like, uh, in Kundalini, there's 10 bodies and the fifth body is the physical body. And it's, it's also a little tool and teacher. Is your breath shallow? Is your jaw tight? Um, there's this great sex in the city episode where Samantha was like telling Carrie, cause Carrie was really stressed out about a boy. She was like, no, <laughs> if a boy is making you do this, no. You know, so it's like, I always think about that. Cause like, if life is making you go like this, like what, you know, like the, that's the whole thing with Hatha, like the posture informs the mind, right? That's why we, we do these postures to open us up. So, um, look at your body for science. I wish I'd known some of this more when I was a lawyer, I would, I would be like, let me look at your breath. Are you lying? <laughs> But yeah, you, you have to, um, hopefully your yoga creates enough body awareness or like my shoulder tends to tense up when I feel like I'm trying to control things with kids, you know, like I, 
it's it's a fine line. You're here to protect and, and serve their true identity of emerging, but you can't be a control freak because that's not the way to do it. It makes everyone miserable. So my body's always trying to tell me, eh, you're veering into that. Knock it off. So like, do I get away? Right, right. And like giving yourself that space, right? Rather than just this and then the judgment or like the negating of and then allowing yourself the grace to yeah, offer up something else. And And every day is different. You know, I think like these practices, once you create a habit, I mean, every day, you know, is an opportunity to, to do a little better, but at the same time, like, so it's like one day at a time, that's definitely the way to look at it. But at the same time, build and string along these days of, of wanting to do this and wanting to live consciously. And you'll find the pause, you actually get a window of a pause to make a choice. Okay, do I want to do this the way I've always done it? Or do I want to do it differently? And it's like a graceful moment starts to open up if you stick to a practice. I'm not talking about the people that are like, um, this this one year or that year, like just, you know, consciously like doing something every day and, and creating that habit will really open up grace and these windows of opportunity to just choose, you know? And why do you think that is? Um, well, there's these things called um, sankalpas. They're grooves in your consciousness. And most of our grooves are unconscious. So they're created by habits and reactions of like, and, and they create a tone to your, to your narrative of like, it, it could be if you're not conscious and you don't meditate, it could be something like life sucks. Or, you know, as an effect of colonialism and the patriarchy of like, oh, I've got to always, you know, be miserable because this is the life. And, and you know, I'm supposed to be miserable. I'm supposed to have a boss that sucks. I'm, you know, or I'm everything's supposed to be shitty. So now if you if you know how habits work, create a new sankalpa. Create a habit of sitting with your shit once a day yeah. <laughs> and then at some point you know, Yogi Bhajan said if you want to be if you're miserable and you want to be less miserable get more miserable for a little while <laughs> and, and that's the truth though yeah. you've got to like spackle these sankalpas that are that are habitually creating the wrong tone of the narrative of the story you want and then redirect the story with like these new habits of like oh I'm taken care of love is real and, you know, I am worthy of a joyful, peaceful, intentional life that has magical things happen all day long. The miracle mindset in Kundalini, you'd call it. Right. And how accessible. And that's what it fascinates me just about the, the power of our internal words and dialogue, because that's available to us, just like our breath, just like so many things. We don't have to do a thing. We hit, we're just right here. And then it is served. Totally. Here to work for us and everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And what, and, and, you know, those grooves again, like I, I, I firmly believe in, you know, taking those steps and like doing what feels good at that time every day. And from what I can at least observe from you, it just seems that it translates not to say that there's at all, like, again, you're in like the human experience, but you have these grooves like that have been implemented like throughout the day. 
right? As, as what it appears, you know, with the obviously bringing in the plants for an example, or even like cooking food, right? It all matters, I would say. And it's like, why, why do that? Why choose something that you know makes you feel good before, during, and after versus maybe just the during? What do you mean? Like, like, let's just say you decide like to like cook, like, let's just say you have the option of like going and grabbing something really fast that might not like, maybe it tastes really good in that moment, but like before you were a little anxious and afterwards you had a little bit of a stomach ache, like, as opposed to like making a grounded meal and like cooking with ingredients you enjoy and like sitting down to eat it mindfully. Like why make the decision to, to take the time and to like properly fuel and, and like what that actually means. Like what I find is that as you know, is that all of it matters. Yeah. It, it, every, you know, there's a saying that sadhana starts the night before there's a whole like, you know, previous 20 chapters to the chapter where you make the decision of what to cook in the, the book of your life, you know, everything led up to it. How did you wake up? Did you think about God when you woke up? Um, or did you just go on your phone and start acting like a crazy person? <laughs> and then, you know, during the day, like I have a, a practice where I sit and um, bound Lotus for 31 minutes every day. And I do it because I'm just hoping <laughs> it'll save me, you know, and give me right action, right thought for the day so that, you know, and um, it hasn't always been like, you know, uh, healthy eating and making, you know, I've, I've managed to choose, you know, to surround myself with people that, that let me take time to take care of myself. Like nobody rushes me, which is, you know, I grew up in a household I felt like was frantic and rushed. And so for me to create a home that's not that way, you really have to push against the momentum of like society and like everything to take care of, to really take care of yourself. I'm not, I'm not talking about the spending money retreats and all that nonsense. Like just on a daily basis to say, when you get up, I'm not going to run here or run there. You know, I wake up and I actually, with the palms in my hands, I tap my ovaries, you know, honor that. And then um, breast massage to get out any lumps. We should all be doing that. <laughs> and then I do a uh, cat stretch both directions because the diagonal energy breaks up the electromagnetic energy of the field of sleep. So it's a, you go from sleep mode to like awake mode. And then um, I do a little stretch pose, not long, like 10 seconds. These are just little activations because my body knows these poses. So I've opened my navel chakra and a couple other things. It takes less than 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then when I get up and turn, you know, off my bed and plant my feet on the floor, it's just I take a moment. I realize I am getting out of bed to start my day. And today's going to be about God, you know. And um, that hopefully... And the other thing I joke is I pray to be loving until 10 p.m. <laughs> I feel like that's a reasonable request. <laughs> oh, my God. Awesome. Everybody's in bed. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, then some days, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't really do very well. But if you do that enough every day, like, you're going to, you're going to get longer and longer, like, days of, like, consciousness, right decision, right action. And, um, it's not always going to look the same. 
Right. You know, sometimes you don't want to get into the crazy pattern of eating healthy where you can't even take a trip with your kids somewhere because you're like, oh, I need the gluten free. Dude, in and out French fries, okay? Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> it's all love. Like, it should, you know what I mean? Your, your path should create more love with the people you really, really want to make feel loved versus, because I've gone through points of this self-care and the yoga and the whatever where, man, it was a drag to be around me. I really realize yeah. that now, especially when I was playing a mantra in our kitchen 24 hours a day and everybody, my husband and the kids were like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now I realize how much they really like love me. Right. And even like, but I think that too, it's just so interesting. And, and what I hear so often is like the, like, the, you know, like the shoulding, like I should eat healthier, I should do this. And it becomes this act that's more pressured or stressed or restricting and like how to then come to know that you're making these choices, whether it is an in and out French fry or cooking something really nice at home that like you're authentically doing that, that's caring for your spirit in some way. And I think there's, there's always got to be a little tension a little tautness to this string as you go through your day I don't think it's like oh today's a rough day I'm gonna eat chocolate all day I think it's like if you've ever been to a spin class they're like choose the resistance I think you know you've just got to keep your eye on that resistance knob and make sure there's a little bit on because uh, that's gonna keep you in a sweet spot if it's too much that's what you describe and if it's too little if you don't have discipline then you're not creating those sankalpas those grooves you know to honor your energy the way that we've been talking about right and that seems like it does kind of fall along the lines of just self-discipline and self-responsibility how do you feel do you think that you know your relationship I would imagine is it just, is it, do you feel like it is just the fuel of God that is your discipline to say, I'm going to show up and do these actions for the betterment of myself, my family, humanity, how, whatever it is that is your intent? No, I think like, um, my motivation is like, I love God. And I know that's like a weird thing for a yogi to say. I don't know why it's a weird thing because the point of yoga is to yoke to God, but like, um, I do. God made everything, you know, it's creator, creation and creature. It's all from creator. And like, the more I honor my essence and like do these habits, the more I'm like, I just, the best thing, the best action I can do as a soul in human form is to love and honor the divine for creating this earth school, this experience and giving me this gift of an incarnation. That's the conclusion I come to all the time. And, you know, a lot of people in my yoga class, I used to be a little shy about saying God all the time, but now I don't. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, my motivation, I just want to love God. It makes me feel good, and maybe it makes you feel good, and that's what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, and I, but I love your approach that, like, you have that energy, that foundation, and then your ability to just keep things so relevant and real and accessible, I at least find with a practice that I, that is seemingly complex and deep and expansive, like to be able to actually deliver that in a way that 
is attractive and, 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 and actually gives people a context for what they're doing and why they're doing it. And do we even like, we can, again, like know through what a Kriya is intended for, but then it's all our personal experience through that Kriya as to how it's impacting us. Right. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Your experience is, is the gem of the whole thing. I mean, there's a lot of like, that's why, you know, people come to me, Oh, are you going to do a Kundalini teacher training? I want to, and I'm putting air quotes cause I know it's a podcast. I want to learn about Kundalini. And I'm like, no, if you want to learn, there's plenty of places to quote, learn. If you want to have an experience, you go sit with yourself. That's it. You get a Kundalini book. That's what I did. And I freaking sat with myself and I've done certain meditations for like a thousand days and that's, that's your training. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, we got to keep it simple. Just remember yoga you, is yoke union with the divine Kundalini is your true identity and all this other stuff. Oh, this Kriya is for the glandular system. Glands are the guardian help. Glands help support your Kundalini energy rising, your true identity rising. Okay. This is simple stuff. Okay, stay healthy so you can experience yourself more habitually. Everything goes back to experiencing yourself, uniting with the divine within. Everything in Kundalini goes to that. And really all meditation is about self-awareness and the divine. That's beautiful. And that really just segues into like, I know that it's so, it's just so, I, again, I believe it to be, it's so simple in that way. And I think that that's why I love having this conversation with you because I, I, I would never want Kundalini to like come across as something that is intimidating because of its complexity, just knowing that it is all in the experience of yourself. And I think at least my journey has been the continuous showing up has created new relationships with different aspects of myself over time. And it might've just started physical and then it might've moved into mental and then it's, whoa, my emotional, and then it's the spiritual. And it could be for everyone. It's these different overlays of that or different journeys within that. Sometimes people, the spiritual comes first. And then it's like, wow, I'm actually embodying this physicality, you know, comes mm -hmm. later. And so just knowing that it, you know, while the, the essence, the simplicity is there and the kind of disciplined action is there, and that's like our relating current, like human to human, but then we're all showing up also having these unique experiences yeah. and there's no expectation or result that is necessarily tangible. Totally. I mean, I think of it this way. Truth is simple, but, um, it's also mind blowing. So it's like a paradox. It's not complicated because sometimes people conflate complicated with mind blowing. Like it's gotta be complicated and pedigreed and, you know, I've got to do the level three to whatever, whatever, whatever. But no, it's it's simple. And um, the self-awareness sort of, in recovery, they talk about spiritual experiences. Sometimes you have the white light variety. And sometimes it's just like what you described, embodying, you know. Like, I've had huge spiritual experiences, which I can only describe as an awareness of a shift of, like, wow, I thought about someone other than myself in a moment where I usually always think about myself. <laughs> and I'm like, new sankalpa, you know, like, why you do? 
could have never, like your past self could have never known that to be a reality. Yeah. yeah. And those are the gifts. I truly, right. Just by showing up and doing and, you know, and only you could have been the living proof that it worked and you could have never anticipated exactly along the line. Right. And I think that that's the other, the other piece too. It's like the, the showing up and the doing and having that, that really pure intent that you can relate to on a daily basis, but then also not, you can't attach to this is what this result will be. You know, maybe, yeah, going to a spin class and you know, like, okay, if I do this over X amount of time, my physical body will morph in this way. Mm -hmm. Right. But like all the other things that go along with that journey, just like choosing to do, you know, sadhana for 30 days, you can never say to yourself, this is how I will feel in 30 days. And you can never say as a teacher, this is your guarantee that in 30 days, this is the result. And again, like teaching the complexity of the practice and then our own beingness. And I think ultimately for me anyways, it does create a, it's an allowing for a sensitivity to the connection to our, our beingness and hopefully in a way that we can then respond to the shifts in our energy throughout the day to ultimately feel not like we're bypassing the things that are like less than what we deem to be like spiritual or highly energetic, but how we meet ourselves in those varying places that we, that we are. Mm -hmm. And it just, I think it a lot, like, I mean, for me anyways, Kundalini allows for a really nice guide to better understanding that. And then to get to know those places within ourselves that are beneath the surface totally it, it definitely is a probably if not the most powerful set of tools in this time and space to get to your true identity you know all yoga has different um sort of purposes hatha has like you know it, it's really about a, a lot of the physical body a little bit of breath work you know and like um, Iyengar used to say, my posture is my prayer. It's a, it's a lot about the posture, but not so much about the soul identity, you know, and, or, or the aura. You don't work with the eighth chakra at all, really, in Hatha, except, you know, indirectly. So, um, yeah, Kundalini is definitely a great tool for this. Could you just, in, um, just kind of talk to the auric field? a little bit and what that means to you, whether it's personal or through the practice of Kundalini, how is the auric field like represented and spoken to? Sure. So in Kundalini, we talk about the aura as different ways. One is the eighth chakra I just mentioned. It's also referred to as the electromagnetic field, which I like. Um, but really, it's this um, energy that surrounds your physical body. And it's approximately nine feet. Although, you know, even not just Kundalini, there's other sort of mystical schools that describe it as various lengths. But there's an energy around your body. And the earth has an electromagnetic field that emanates from its iron ore. So if you think about it that way, it's like you're your own. It's part of your it's a protection of your sovereignty. And um, similarly you know, the whole idea of sankalpas in your mind, these grooves of consciousness, your aura has sort of habits. And if you're a conscious person that works with your aura, a lot of the kundalini exercises that work with your aura involve bringing your arms out 
And what people notice in Kundalini is after two minutes, even like weightlifters, you know, their arms feel like there's so much pressure on them. So what that is, is the electromagnetic energy of the earth meeting your sovereignty, your electromagnetic energy. And they're having a little bit of a tussle because when you hold your arms like this, you're pushing against the earth electromagnetic energy that yogis figured out in a way that's establishing sovereignty. And, and it's like in um, some Buddhism, they call it cause and effect. You're becoming a cause instead of an effect in 3D. So this is changing your destiny when you do stuff like this by re-magnetizing your aura as, and telling the universe, I'm awake now. Okay, and the, uh, the uh, aura has um, a circumvent force, which means it can pull in and, and keep out certain energies. So when it's activated, it works better. It works better for what? Your true identity, your kundalini energy. So if you have an activated, you know, functioning on all cylinders aura, life gets very interesting fast. Because you'll start attracting people, places, experiences, and things here to serve the emerging of your true identity. And um, so there's so many ways to look at your aura. Oh, the other thing is like how to protect. And like, so let's say you activate it with these exercises. And how do you, how do you keep it going is like you don't tell lies. If you tell a lie, it puts little black marks in your aura and, you know, auras don't lie. Right. Yeah. And that's why I really, I mean, I kind of go back to just everything, you know, everything matters. Everything can be transformed in the same respect, but everything, everything matters. Everything that's going on, what we think is just so neatly tucked behind our skin and especially not in this Aquarian age, as we're seeing on the daily basis in the news stuff that comes to light. (laughs) Everything being, yeah, exposed and and everything within us is being radiating, is radiating beyond our physical form. Yeah, and, um, you know, there's an up-leveling, there's an awakening happening uh, of consciousness, which means, you know, even people that don't meditate are going to be pulled. We're all going to be pulled to this higher vibration, which includes our aura, so everybody's going to be pulling the things they need to wake up and be themselves. And, and you know, th- that's why there's an interest in truth in a, in a way there wasn't 10 to 15 years ago. I always think about, like, Bill Cosby. You know, he's in prison now for things he did over the course of decades because people were not interested in truth about him. They wanted a narrative. They did not want truth. They wanted to be placated. They didn't want truth. And it's across the board you know you know even in yoga and the kundalini world we're seeing stuff about yogi bhajan and those who worshipped him as a master like what he did what but like there's been you know a lot of issues with the, the kundalini community one of the organizations that runs the teacher trainings funds an ice detention center you know that a lot of teachers are like yeah they get placated by a statement but they don't want the facts and with Yogi Bhajan, now they're getting hit with these facts. And they're like, well, I just want to be placated. Just tell me it's okay. He's okay to worship still. And the universe is like, no, stop worshiping humans. You know, start connecting to your true identity. Stop being placated. Stop the placebo. Get the real medicine. Yeah. Which is you. <laughs> 
That's huge. That's so huge. Yeah. And we kind of have to, I mean, and that's just so representative of the, of even like Yogi Bhajan's teachings along the lines of like, like, or like how, like, don't you have to like take yourself to that extreme until you ultimately decide what is your, your truth or some, you know, something better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely hear that. Well, thank you. I love, I love hearing the, that perspective of the energy field and how Kundalini is influencing it. Um, you know, really every time you show up, you're influencing your energy field, which is what is not only the, the reflection of your inner world, but then what you're in essence then magnetizing from your external world and how amazing it is that something that might seem primarily, you know, energetic, but then the ways that it can show up in our physical reality. Oh, it'll change and transform your reality, your day, even if you start to work with your aura. Yeah. And then it's, but it's just the taking the time to do it. And two minutes, just hold your arms out. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that A little bouncing. (laughs) And then add a mantra, Satnam, Satnam, (laughs) Satnam. There you go. It's that easy. I think that that's also just so so important to touch upon that it can be that simple. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you, Sheil, for thank sharing you. your wisdom and your truth. And I know that you are, you teach in person at Buddha Yoga in La Jolla. If you want to just tell people where they can find you, um, whether that's in person or on the web. So I teach every Monday morning at 10 a.m. at Buddha Yoga on Girard in La Jolla. It's located above Lululemon. And my class is live streamed every week on the website yourbooty, Y-O-U-R-B-U-D-D-H-I.com along with, um, and you can also find pre-recorded classes and hundreds of yoga classes from amazing teachers. And that's $15 a month, first month free. And you can also work with me if you want to get some plants to work with uh, via my website, which is kundaliniwithshield.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. All the best with this amazing podcast. I cannot wait to tune in and and hear all the wonderful information you're going to (laughs) provide. Thank you. Crystals (laughs) and healing. And I'm I'm tuning into the Kama channel. Yeah, babe. (laughs) It's coming. I hope that you all got just as much out of this authentic and expansive conversation with Sheil as I did. Hopefully it gave you some context for kundalini yoga, for energetic practice, for the purpose and the the reason behind, you know, showing up for yourself every day. If you have any questions on this or any episode, please don't hesitate to reach out. And of course, leave a review, share with your friend, and spread the word of honoring your own.